Hello, welcome to another episode of Spitting Seeds Podcast. Finally. We have Mario with us. We've had a long sabbatical. And we have Roman with us. Hey, hey, hey. We have Nick with us. Limited participation. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Nick. You can call me Kip. (laughs) Nick is our technical guy. We took some time off. Nick is our Jamie. He Googles stuff. It was a mid-season break. We can call it that. Yeah. I mean, you. It's g- our. Uh, what do you call it? The bi- It's our bi- We had a bye week. Yeah. Uh, well, but there was a reason. You guys were uh, uh, Mario, Roman. So everybody here Nick. except Vasa was in Hawaii having a great time. Yeah, Vasa was, was busy, at home. I was busy at home with family stuff. Mm. How was how was Hawaii? Let's. Keep, I guess not not to take too long, but rundown of Hawaii okay. highlights. It was my first time in Hawaii, and I had an amazing time. It was like uh, it was cool because it's not like a family vacation and it's not like just like a you and your wife kind of vacation, but it's like your friends and you go on vacation and your wife and well yeah obviously <laughs> it wasn't just the boys you guys were there with wives yeah yeah so it was very fun we did lots of cool things uh, I mean me and Roman just the two of us our wives went to the beach one day and we went and hung out at Pearl Harbor the whole day that was a lot of fun mm-hmm. actually lots of his yes huge fan of that you so. guys are big history like junkies and I'm not we, I we don't prefer know anybody. the term aficionados <laughs> yeah we're not junkies <laughs> but I became like slowly is the I think we brought up the podcast before that Dan Carlin hardcore history and I listened to the like a four and a half hour episode, which is the the shorter version episode. Blitz, uh, the blitz. Yeah, the blitz episode, uh, and it was the destroyer of worlds about nuclear bombs. And I listened to the whole thing, and I feel like I know so much more about history, or or at least that like nuclear period and like Russia and United States, all that stuff. I feel yeah, like I can you, have an opinion on that stuff. You don't know where you're going until you know where you came from. Okay. Wow. Well. Profound. Okay, end of episode. <laughs> <laughs> now, Hawaii was dope. We did a lot of activities. I think this is very concentrated with activities. I mean, we didn't do a lot of just like laying on the beach. We did a lot of cool things, a lot of sightseeing, saw the islands. I mean, it's yep. kind of a weird thing like to know that you're on an island and so all around you is just thousands of miles of ocean. So if like for some reason like communications were cut off or something happened, like you're stranded on this island and granted, there's thousands of people there, but like when you open up Google Maps, like you really have to zoom out quite a bit before you see other lands. Like yeah. when you're in Hawaii, it's kind of, it's a weird kind of a yeah, claustrophobic. Not claustrophobic, but it's kind of like a whoa. It's well, kind of like a what's the what's the phobia of fear of open spaces? Is it agoraphobia? Agora, uh, I don't know. Yeah, there's a fear of open space. I think that would be that would be considered that. I think there's a fear of like phaslophobia is a fear of the ocean. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> Doubt. Yeah, no, it is. No, I, I believe you. I just I'm trying to connect ja- it. Jamie, Google it. <laughs> I'm re- I'm re- Google agoraphobia. Tassilophobia. No, agoraphobia. Ag- agoraphobia. Agoraphobia. Is agora water? Agora. No. Agora is agor. Agor. I don't know. Agor. Okay, now we're just anyway. Making, now so we're just making stuff up. <laughs> I I uh, liked Hawaii as a vacation destination. It's a, it's a little bit pricey, yeah, and I, I I really enjoyed it just because I didn't have to be go to work. But Hawaii as a state, I did not like. You it. stayed there for a while. You stayed there longer than everybody else. Yeah. Um. Well, because we uh, he has the most money, so I mean, naturally, nice, definitely, a union electrician, <laughs> King County taxes. That's definitely working yeah, guys. on a yeah. freaking monorail or whatever subway. Hey, so the, the ST three. I said freaking. Yeah, that's that's, that's look, that, look, it's on the list. Now on the Apple Podcast, we have to click that explicit thing. 
Oh, oh yeah. I want you one. Know, if you like, can I be in charge of it? <laughs> if you don't do the explicit and they check and there it's, it is explicit, off. you can get like suspended. Right, so we'll what? mark this one as explicit because of Vasily's language. <laughs> what if the guy that's in charge of it has so much like power? Like, what if like I feel like you're saying something stupid? I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> <power>. suspended. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but um, as a, as a state, I didn't really like it. it. It doesn't seem like it's part of the United States. It seems very third worldly to me. There's like a, a, like if you leave Waikiki, there's like yeah. a lot of rundown trailers and like there's literally a whole junkyard on the side of the highway, just like cars taken apart. It's basically a big mobile home park, except Honolulu it has is a that, bunch of big hotels that, and skyscrapers. Would it be too much generalizing, or is it just like a stereotype that let's say in Hawaii people take work a lot less seriously than we do here, let's say, especially in King County, that it's like, you know, you go to work at 10, be home at 2, 3, you know, you're just the, like... The locals definitely take it less Yeah, that's what I mean by locals. Island time, brah. Yeah, island time. <laughs> no, Hang but uh, I, to me, it felt like a reservation. I felt like I was a not... Like yeah, it's, it was, it's definitely different. Like when you're in Honolulu, and it feels like it's... Well, there's actually an incredibly high amount of... I think most of their tourism comes from Japan, Korea, and China. Which is ironic. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Why? Because they tried to oh, bomb okay. the pl- place at one point. I was talking to one lady, and she was like, uh, they couldn't take it in World War II, so they just took it over with tourism. <laughs> <laughs> they like, could take it over in World War II. I was like, okay. No, getting any trouble oh, there? A lot of, uh, there's a very large, like when you're walking downtown Honolulu on like a, any given night, you would think that you're in like Hong Kong because it's very crowded. Lots of people walking in. Everybody's Asian and they're all talking in either Mandarin or Japanese. And you're just like, you know, it's you and three other white people and everyone else is Asian. And it's like, wow, this is kind of interesting. Hmm. Um, I liked it as my first time going there. I would probably go again, but I prefer... I like to feel like I'm on vacation. Like I like to feel like I'm like in mm-hmm. Mexico. You feel like you're in a different country. You know, you're in okay. like a exotic place, and everyone speaks a different language, and that just adds to the experience for me. But in Hawaii, they have everything. They have McDonald's. They have Costco. Everyone speaks. Well, not everyone, but like most. I mean, all the like the, the sh- businesses. Yeah, all stuff. the businesses speak English. So it's like you didn't technically go on vacation. It's like going to L.A. kind of. You know, mm-hmm. which is it's just warm. But you're still in America. You're like out of town more, but less of yeah. a vacation. Yeah, it doesn't feel like you went to like a cool exotic place. Although the islands are beautiful. The islands are like, I mean, when you fly over them, when you're landing, it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. It's so green, the hills and the mountains. I saw a mongoose. Really? Yeah. Wow, it, running you across the... You didn't tell me that. Well... You didn't text me that. It's like, it looks like a... stay there for like two weeks. So. It looks like a furry snake. Huh. Yeah. So vacation went well, no troubles, no issues. Kip, did you like Hawaii? Third time, Kip likes Hawaii. Kip likes. I learned how much Nick likes cream brulee. We spent a lot of time looking for cream brulee. <laughs> Let's just say that <laughs> in Hawaii, like a pineapple cream brulee. But okay, but anyways. that's a nice. Yeah. Uh, that's why we took a couple weeks off. I think it's been like two, three. It's been like four weeks since we recorded. Oh, sorry. It's been like four weeks, a month since we recorded. Uh, we were in Hawaii, and then we got back, and life was just kind of busy. Then you, got, you guys got back to work, work yeah. <laughs> after vacation, <laughs> right? <laughs> All then, the overtime. And then Vasily moved into his new house. We oh, are not his house. I'm renting, but well, the bank m- owns it. Uh, moved from Seattle after two years living in Seattle. Moved to Federal Way. Really excited. Suburbs. Dude, yeah, definitely really. Are you gonna excited. buy like a Chevy Tahoe now and like soccer? Mom, soccer dead, trophy dead. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. No, so yeah, excited to be back in Fed. 
But a couple things that I think a lot of our podcast topics come up. A lot of them, I think, from discussions that we have within each other, between each other, when we hang out. And one of the things I think that came up was, I think, looking at like homies that we grew up with, or people that you know around us in our community. And I think it started off with like homies getting in trouble for something, or kids not turning out the way that you would, you know, want somebody to turn out. And I think the question comes up, you know, once I was like, oh, you know, he's, you know, a dummy and he's a fruit and he needs to do something with his life. And the other side is blames the parent, parents like, hey, like parents did a horrible job raising the kid. And I guess the question is, who's what? I guess the technical terminology is nature versus nurture. When, let's say, kids grow up and let's say you see a troublemaker kid. Who do you blame? Do you blame, you know, put the responsibility on a kid or do you put responsibility on a parent or both or neither? What, do you, what are your guys' thoughts? Mm, I don't know. That's, that's, a, that's been going, it's a debate that's been going on for a long time, just in even like the, the quote, science mm-hmm. community, um, like nature and nurture. Which one is like, per, is it more of one or is it like a 50-50 split or what is it? Um, is it like, cause everybody's obviously born with a unique set of DNA. So is, a, is the person that you are based on just kind of like the, the DNA, the genes you got from your parents mm-hmm. or, you know, whoever else, uh, or is it just kind of like the environment that you grow up? That's who what shapes you. And I think definitely there is not, I absolutely don't believe that it's one or the other. I think it's a mix of the two, but just where, like what percentage is yeah is it leaning in one way yeah. or i don't know if it's leaning i think it might be leaning more towards nurture just personally because um like biologically you get your dna and that tell like and that will determine a lot about how tall you're going to be what color your hair is going to be um I, i'm sure it has something to do like and i'm in no way like a genealogist or whatever i'm not sure what the term is but <laughs> I'm sure, like, your character and stuff is is somewhat involved by that. Because, like, even in, like, like for example, let's take, like, like animals. Animals are not, like, they don't have a, I mean, obviously they have a brain, but they, they do not have, like, a consciousness, and they don't, I mean, not that mm-hmm. we know of. <laughs> but, like, you know, they don't have, like, a self-awareness like we do. But still, you can get, like, five dogs, and one might be super calm, and one might be super aggressive and loud, and, you know, and then the other three will be a, a, some something else. So I'm sure that there's some like level of like you're just biologically like what you're born with, you know, that will affect kind of who you are, how you act. But I think that how you're raised is a huge factor. I I would say it leans towards nurture. That's my final answer because I think but, that But what about kids, let's say when parents have multiple kids and if you turn out well or let's say most of them turn out well and then there's like a a one screw up kid. And I'm pretty sure the nurture side of things were very, you know, if not exactly the same as all the other kids. And who do you blame then? Or it's it's a lot more complicated than just to say that. Uh, I think uh, I'm with Mario that it's a lot more complicated than just to say this is nature, this is nurture, because you can't just say that we are we're all born good or we're all born bad. We're all born with our character and it's neither good or bad it's just what it is and i think that um like i can have a character like uh we we can have a character 
and then um it will like uh someone's someone's born with a character that's more predisposed for a social structure that we're in right now and he will do better and with uh he will take to nurture better and uh some people are born with a character that maybe doesn't fit what what it was right now but if that guy was born with that character maybe 50 years ago he would have done better than the person than this, than uh, like a person b would have done better than person a because of the kind of society and uh, uh, culture you're born in uh, uh, and how it caters to the character that you have and i think we're all born with um, with our own character and uh, that character either aligns with society or doesn't but the nurture part of it is when our parents try to align our character with proper etiquette and society and beliefs and that's the nurture part and for some people it's easier because they're born predisposed to that to the curtain climate and cult and culture and for some people it's going to be harder and it's going to be a lot more um a lot more painful to to kind of correct them to make their life a little easier to correct their character into the mold of what society and the culture temperature and climate is right now because like i was saying that uh say person a he's a really easy child a really easy go and gets a's he's going to be some kind of a scientist whatever person b is just struggling with this and that struggling with life but say 50 years ago person b would have been the opposite person b would have fit into the culture easier it would have been easier to nurture him into a common mold to do well in society and person a would have struggled so it's it really it's 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 kind of like gambling it's it's really up to the chance of Oh, uh, what kind of a character you have versus what kind of society you're born. But doesn't that give like a pass to somebody? Let's say if I'm a screw up kid, and wouldn't that be like a pass or like, oh, if only I was born 50 years ago. I was born this way. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, definitely, definitely. If, yeah, if only I had rich parents or uh, uh, richer parents. If only better life. Yeah, better, better life. More money. I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was, was a baller. <laughs> I wish I had a girl that looked good. I would call her. Shout out to Mona. 20 inch rims on the Impala. Yeah, see, that's basically what we're getting into. I think. Uh, I don't know. So, like, I agree, yeah, I, I agree what you're saying, but I am a very big like at, supporter or whatever you want to call it. That I think the way you're raised will determine like your altitude in life. Like, what it will determine where you're going. And not to say that some parents are good. Some, I mean, obviously, some parents are good. Some parents are bad. But like you were saying, how like there'll be a, a family, five kids, four of them are angels, one of them is a screw up. You know, and yeah. I think. I think that we're all bo- like when we were born we know nothing. We have like our like uh, our instincts like our bodily instincts and reflexes and stuff. Mario, every litter has a runt. Not every. I think every I think I think naturally like every breeder will tell you there's always a runt that like in in the hierarchy he will be like discovered and some weak runts they die. Maybe, but I don't know. I think that like yeah, you're all, obviously everybody's born with some characteristics and traits, but it's I think it's like And like, you know, like, we've talked about this a bunch of times before. Like, for example, in like our school system, like some people just learn better with like hands-on. Some people learn better by right. you know. So I feel like everyone has different traits, but I think it depends on if their parents are able to to realize that and nurture, like, kind of uh, um, like cater to their needs. Right. Then they could totally become a normal, like a, a good, well-adjusted person in <laughs> normal. society. That's Not funny. normal, but I don't do that. <laughs> but so here's an in- interesting thought that I I came across a while back. And it might not be like I went through it and at first you're like, oh, that's me. But then once you really think about it, it's like one of those like horoscope things where like you're a Virgo because you're really outgoing. You're 
I'm not going. I actually read about. <laughs> I actually read about that. It's it's like a self fulfilling prophecy kind of thing. Uh, yeah, and okay, it's like a little thing. I forgot which book I was reading. Ah, oh, dang it, can't remember right now. And it's pretty much saying, um, it's pretty much if you want to lead people to think a certain way, and if I say, Broad let's strokes. say. Mario, are you a prideful guy? You automatically start looking for moments when you were like you acted prideful. Yeah. So you're like, you know what? I am a prideful guy. And you single so like, out, Mario, do you, are you lonely? And you're like, you know what? I felt lonely the one time. Oh, yes, I am lonely. So, so it's yeah. kind of one of those things that are like, you were born in July. Yeah. So are you happy? And sometimes you're super depressed. You're like, you know what? That is me. <laughs> I do have a range of emotions. Yeah, wow. that is. And, like, <laughs> and my thing, like always, when you read that, those and like, Almost any of them that you read, if you don't tell them the person what month it is, you're going to be like, you know what? That is me. Because that's it just describes people's emotions. So keep that in mind as I, as I read this. It's like a little pamphlet. Uh, I'm just going to scroll through and this might take a few minutes, but I think it's pretty interesting. So but this is called the birth order effect. So I this is a theory that's very common and there's lots of studies and it, it holds some weight that basically depending on what uh, what order you were born in whether you're the first child second child only child last mm-hmm. child kind of thing that will that will there'll be certain traits kind of this is on average obviously there's anomalies all the time but this is like an average of of everybody that on average these traits relate to these kinds of people so okay. i'm just going to read through this it'll take a few minutes um so firstborn so these children quickly learn how to please their parents, becoming conscientious, organized, and reliable, and serving as surrogate parents to younger siblings. Uh, firstborn characteristics, reliable, structured, cautious, controlling, achieving, conscientious. Um, the top careers for firstborns is government, engineering, IT, and science. Uh, 100% of astronauts who have ever gone to space were all the firstborn in their family. That's interesting. Uh, okay so that's kind of that that's like you're the first child you know you're you kind of learn everything first Mm -hmm. you take care of your siblings you're kind of like the reliable one and then middle child difficult to categorize they avoid being boxed in and have a more go with the flow attitude than their older siblings they tend to be unbiased and level-headed and are good at negotiations most likely from playing mediator between their siblings middle child characteristics people pleasing somewhat rebellious Good friend, peacemaker, social. Top careers for middle children, public service, caretaking, education, construction, law enforcement. Um, Come on, Mario, you can read. Sorry. Uh, Okay, scrolling on. The baby of the family, like the youngest. Uh, These children usually receive the least discipline, the fewest responsibilities, and the biggest audience. As a result of being babied, they tend to be tender and altruistic. They learn that being funny and adorable gains attention and approval. Characteristics, fun-loving, uncomplicated, manipulative. Those are very contradicting. (laughs) but uh, Self-centered, attention-seeking, very outgoing. Uh, Top careers is design, art, sales, uh, (laughs) stuff like that. And then the only child... These children are typically mature for their age due to the time spent with adults. Many are high achievers with only a few rebelling and following their own path. And then um, mature, perfectionist, conscientious, diligent, law enforcement, IT, engineering, nursing. So that's just kind of like a quick Google search. But I think so. And I think it holds some weight because let's say, like, uh, let's just say you, 
Yeah, well, you, are you in your family? Which order are you? I'm, I'm middle. You're middle, and Nick was last. Baby. Nick is the baby. So would you say Nick is more easygoing than you? Yes. I don't know. No, no, I'm kidding. Actually, right. I think no. this is all false. I think, guys, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, it doesn't work with you well, guys because Nick couple, is more structured. I a think. couple of things of uh, the but thing is, middle child was like uh, outgoing, social, whatever, like those kind of things. So again, it's, I think it's one of those things that if you are get any of those and like, well, just, like apply it to a person trying to be unbiased in my family i'm kind of a middle child we have four kids and i was the second so technically i'm a middle mm-hmm. i'm the like i am definitely the mediator you know between like other people i feel like i'm pretty easy going uh go with the flow my little the baby she gets the most attention she's very attention seeking you know she's very kind of like and it kind of fits into that trait and then the oldest one um yeah. Obviously helped raise the others, kind of more in command, more in like in charge. So, okay, I feel, so I feel nurture like, or nature? I guess so if it comes down to, I guess. So well, we, uh, but th- but this is all basic. This isn't saying like why you you know why you're born that way. It's because so basically you were born in this order, and because of your order, your, so it's kind of nurture. It is full nurture because like the firstborn got nurtured differently than the second, you know, than the third, mm-hmm. than the last, or the only. Yeah. So I feel like a lot. Of, I think it's more nurture. I'm sticking with my answer. I think that. Because there's um, nurture. Final answer. There's families, like terrible families, you know, where like parents are doing this or that, not present in the people's lives. But these people will turn out great. They'll turn out very successful. You, mm-hmm. you hear these like rags to riches stories where people will come from a broken home and they'll become, you know, president yeah. or whatever. And I mean, but then it's, I'm basically countering my point now. So maybe these people were just born with something. They they were grown up in a terrible like environment. Any, I guess. Uh, the the whole combination of nature and nurture. Let's say if he's born and with a cer- certain, you know, characteristic, certain nature that he was born with, like certain DNA. And say the hardships, in a way, almost like triggered those, you know, the motivation and the hard work ethic and all those things. But maybe let's say the same person, if he was born in a comfortable household, maybe let's say the hard work ethic it part, get in. yeah, wouldn't get kicked in, and he'd just be like, Fudge. you know what? <laughs> it's getting deep. We're getting deep here. No. Yeah, but uh, so. You make good points for nurture, and I tend to agree that a lot of it is nurture, but you would agree with me, I think, that uh, even though it is nurture, people do not start on the same plane to, from that nurture. Uh, now like, we're getting to social work. Pe- people do not start on the same... No, not not like social on the same level, but like mentally and their body composition. That's true, yeah. yeah not they, everybody's on the same yeah, like it's, mental it's, level. Yeah, it's like starting a race, but some people start in front of you and some st- people start behind you, and it's not yeah. fair, but it's life. So th- that would be the nature part. Yeah, but there is a little bit of nature and a lot of nurture, basically. I agree. Mm. What about you, Vasily? Oh, dang, that's not going to get to me. Uh, no, so I don't think any person ever is going to say that it's one or the other. It's definitely a balance. And I think it is. You are born with certain characteristics, certain DNA-specific you know, things that you're more dis- is disposed to and yeah and i think environment like triggers certain things so let's say if i'm let's say was born and i'm more predisposed to be an uh, an alcoholic well let's say i grew up in an environment that let's say i never you know got a chance to even try alcohol and say i may not become an alcoholic because of nurture even though let's say i'm very you know if you if i got it to try it once or twice i'm you know that would maybe could have been triggered and i'd become a heavy alcoholic and that's kind of where the balance of 
nurture nature comes in. I think I think you are born with certain characteristics and certain character flaws and positives, and you know good about you. But I think your the, your nurture part either triggers or, or or shuts down those different parts that sometimes never get you know opened up or you never you know yeah. act on them because of your nurture. I mean, Even though you may be, let's say, I guess you can say like, yeah, he's you're born an alcoholic, but you never got a chance let's say to try alcohol. Then you but so nurture prevented you from becoming let's say an alcoholic. And it can go both ways though, I guess, because like let's say your your family you have alcoholics in your family, and you could either go one of two ways, either like. Oh, they're doing this. This must be okay. So I'm going to do it. And you kind of fall into that same cycle and that trap. Or you can be like, wow, I can't believe they're doing that. This is disgusting. I don't want this in my life. The totally opposite. Totally opposite way. Yeah. And that, that, that's, that depends on your nature. But, um, this is a terrible argument because like we all have to agree that it's neither. It's like, it's both, you know? Yeah. But I think it's lean. I think, and I guess the question was, I think all this started is, when there is like a troublemaker kid and sometimes people are like, ah, oh, the parents, you know, like, you know, silly and they don't know what they're doing. And my question will be like, but what about the other kids, you know, or something but like silly, that? What book were we discussing at the, at the sauna um, where like the, like boy geniuses and what boy wonders? It's actually pronounced, sorry, it's pronounced sauna. Uh, yeah, I, I, the, I listened to a podcast about saunas and in, it's pronounced sauna. In the, in the bathhouse. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, how, like, you know, geniuses and billionaires, how everything has to fall yeah, right. Outliers. Outliers. Out, Malcolm Gladwell, outlier. yo. My, there we go. Right there, that's, that's the book. Dude, look at that. One, two, yeah. three, four, it, five books with Malcolm Gladwell, and he's releasing one more. Talks a lot when about When are you going to start reading them? I don't know. Yeah. So I think, uh, Malcolm Gladwell, I think I read What the Dogs dog Saw. I, I think I read the least because it's pretty much every chapter is like totally different. It's kind of like a collection of articles. But the tipping point is really interesting. That David and Goliath is really interesting. Outliers, Blink. I read a little bit, but it's good to it's like about but, thinking. But in Outliers, like it talks thinking. about how people who succeed that not only do they have well, have I to have the right nurture and circumstances, they also start by in characteristics uh, in characteristics ahead of everybody else. So basically, well, I, I think it was more. I think Outliers was all about. I mean. I think outliers was the point was that not only do you have to have the right makeup and yeah. the right kind of the right timing, you have to be the right person, right. the right place, the right time. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Like you have to have the right makeup, you have to be born in the right place, you have to have the right characteristics to be uh, ultra and you have successful. To have a good nurturing. Yeah, yeah. and all it, these like Bill Gates and he uses examples. Like Bill Gates was born at a certain time. He was born like a couple years earlier or a couple years later. That's when the computers were just going in. He happened to live in Seattle area, and his school happened to have the uh, the computer, and he happened to have the unlimited access thing to to the computer. Yeah. But then, that's the whole. That's the, the kind of the nurture part. But the nature part is, there was thousands of other kids that had the access to the same computer, but he the, he had the work ethic and a yes. desire for the computer because he spent like all-nighters and he had the family hookup uh, coding yeah. yeah family hookup to get in there because I think like well, somebody like, I think his mom or something worked at the school and his dad was a baller so that, that definitely helps so he probably <laughs> but the thing is but the whole idea but still it's the same yeah, school yeah, that yeah. the other private school kids went to but he's the one that capitalized yeah. it. but somebody else could have spent all night pulling all-nighters coding random stuff but you no know, you it was him that the there but yeah so yeah and right Bill place, Gates, right time yeah it's it's like a race some people get get to start way behind and then in their nurture they never learn how to run fast and they're just a like a big mistake and 
a, like abomination, but some people are like really close, start really close to the finish line, and then they get to run really fast, and boom, they make bad or they make bad decisions and they slow down, and the guy from way back yeah, gets a turbo boost yeah. because he had a good Where nurturing. I think that's uh, yeah. What's his name? Maxwell, and he said, uh, "Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work." There we go. See, yeah. yeah. Hello, hello. Okay, good. Sorry. Uh, yeah, and then that's why I'm a big. I, I am scared to be a parent because I feel like obviously I'm not a parent yet, but I think that being parenting, being a parent, being a parent is a much harder job than it seems. Because like, oh yeah, it's not that hard to make a baby, you know, pop out a baby and make sure that it survives until the age of eighteen. Like that's that's not that hard, but being able to recognize who your child is and what they need to yeah. succeed. Because like, like adapt to each child. Just in my family, each of the kids, we have a different style of like learning, different way that we see the world. So you know, if your parents are able to kind of pick up on that, and like you know, they don't just kind of like like our public schools. Like this is like they have a, a bat in their hand, and they're like, "This is the way we do it." And there's like six different kids that learn differently, and you whack them all in the head with a bat. You know, it's like everything looks like a nail when you have a hammer in your hand, sort of. Kind of thing. So, like, if you're able to like recognize that, like, elaborate. I have, I have th- three kids, and each of them has like a different kind of style of learning, different personality. And if I can cater to each one of them, they could all become successful. But if I treat them all the same, maybe one of them will respond very well to the way I raise them, but the other two won't, and they're gonna be the trouble child, you know, because like yeah. they didn't get a good re- upbringing. Yeah, yeah the, the 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 kids whose nature is more recipient to your to, yeah, yeah, to, to your parenting will succeed and the other two won't. Like you said, you got to recognize and nurture everybody differently. And that actually brings me to another thing. So uh, just like I'm not a psychologist, but I'm, hmm. very, I'm very interested in it. It's kind of a hobby, but... Full disclosure. Full disclosure here. <laughs> no license, no accreditation, but I have a theory. <laughs> just kidding. Um so we as humans, attention is very, very, very important to us. And as much as we want, like might try to deny it, you know, like, I don't care, I don't need attention. But, uh, and it especially, I was actually talking to a social worker at is work. Is that one way of getting attention? <laughs> I was talking to a social worker at work and uh, Roman's wife, Ramona, she confirmed this for me. But, um, so there's, there's mental disorders and there's behavioral disorders. And... Uh, they're different. Like mental disorder is that there's like your 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 wiring is just not right. Uh, behavioral disorder is that your conduct is not right because you you never learned the correct conduct. And so she was saying that ninety percent of all behavioral disorders are like are wired into your into your personality into your mind in the first eighteen months of life. So a lot of it, I mean, and this kind of blew my mind. So I like looked into it and read into it, and it, apparently it's pretty legit as far as we know. I mean, in twenty years this might all change, but. So the theory is that basically in the first 18 months of life, um, like you guys have heard of like, uh, oh, if a baby's crying, don't pick it up. Let it like teach itself to stop crying, you know, or don't pick up your baby too much because then it's going to like be too coddled and it's not going to be able to... Too dependent. Yeah, stuff like that. So what the current like ideology is towards that is that basically you can't give your kid too much attention, but you can not give them enough attention. So in the first 18 months, if a child... Like, let's say I'm a baby, I'm an infant, I was just born, and my parents not doing that great of a job for caring for me, and let's say I'm hungry, and I'm obviously an infant, so I have no intelligence whatsoever, but all I know, my instincts, is that I feel hungry, I'm going to cry, because that's all I can do, that's all I know, so I cry, and I'm hoping that something, someone around me is going to come put some milk in my mouth, so I cry, and then if I cry, and I get milk, then 
you, your mind at a very young age learns that, okay, if I like cry for help, I know that somebody's going to come and help me. Mm-hmm. But let's say that, you know, you leave your baby for like, you're oh, she's just crying. She's not, it's not time for her meal yet. You know, and the baby's crying and then the baby's like very simple mind. And I feel like at that point, it's not like the baby's not thinking like, well, she's just probably busy. You know, it's yeah. kind of like, it's like a very one plus one, like very like a binary thing. Like I'm crying, I'm hungry. Nobody's providing me with food. Uh, and then they create like this mistrust kind of gets like planted in your, in your, in your DNA almost. So then the child, and obviously this happens once or twice, it's not going to do anything. But like if for the first 18 months, if this is like a, a, a continuous thing, like it keeps happening over and over, you cry, you're not getting what you need. Like I, I put my diaper, I'm not comfortable. I need to be changed. I, I'm crying. Nobody's helping me. So what the babies will do, and this has been observed a baby will cry harder. A baby will, will will try harder to get attention. So, like, first I might be like, you know, and then that's not helping. So, and, it, and if it keeps happening, the baby will get to the point where uh, all the baby knows is that basically, like, I'm not dying. I just need this little thing. I'm uncomfortable. But the only way that I know to get attention is if I, if I like, Hysteria. Go, go act, absolutely crazy. Act like I'm dying. Yeah, nuclear option. Yeah. And so, and apparently, a lot of this stuff translates into into adolescence, into adulthood, where these people they just don't know. Like, it's, and it's kind of hard. It's kind of maybe a hard concept to grasp. But like these people, they don't know that if I just ask for help, I'll get it. For them, they have to have a whole elaborate scheme, like because that's all they know. That like, kind of go extreme. I'm not going to get help unless I go extreme. So that's why. Um, so basically, so we have. I'm, I work in the emergency department. We have a lot of people who come in who are suicidal. Quote. Yeah, like oh, I'm feeling suicidal, uh, and then and just in my experience, and according to the social workers and just the data, it, I think it's like over eighty percent of these people aren't actually suicidal. It's just a cry for help for them. Like um, the the rate of successful suicides. Like if you, I mean, this is a very kind of I'm getting really deep here, so I don't want anybody to seem like I don't care about this. I just deal with this very often, so I'm kind of mm-hmm. uh, immune, not immune to it. But anyways. So like if you really wanted to, if you really wanted to kill yourself and I'm not trying to offend anybody but if you really are feeling like I want to die I'm s- sick of living you're you're going to probably do it you know and but the success rate for suicides is actually very low because most people they don't actually want to kill themselves they just want that's a cry for help they want attention so they'll they'll cut themselves but they won't cut deep enough to actually you know like bleed out or they'll maybe shoot themselves or something or you know something like that like they won't fully commit to it because they actually don't want to die. They just want help. They just, it's a cry for help. So I feel like, and this kind of relates to this. So like, if you, as a baby, as an infant, these like these behaviors are learned by you that like I won't get help unless I get. Abs- I have to, you know, I have to go nuclear option every time. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm 16. I like this girl, and she's not talking to me back. So I have to go full creep mode. I have to stalk her. I have to like send her 100 texts and do all this stuff. And it's not just because he's trying to be a you know creep or vice versa. But it's just because he doesn't know better. He doesn't know that, like, if I just walk up to her and talk to her, maybe she'll like me back. You know, no, I have to send her like a cake or like, like a rabbit's foot in her mail or some, some weird stuff. I have like, to watch her sleep. Maybe she'll notice me. Yeah, stuff like that. So convince her. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and, so uh, and so a lot of this stuff is nurture. Basically, all of it is nurture. So and it was like, uh, and she was saying that. So kind of backtrack a little bit. Like ninety percent of all behavioral, uh, like behavioral disorders occur or are cemented in the first like 18 months of life 
It's basically how you're treated as infant when you know nothing. You, have, you don't have complex thinking. You're, it's very basic, instinctual. Like either It's either 1 plus 1 equals 0 or 1 right. plus 1 equals 1. That's pressure for parenting, yo. Yeah, there, it is. That's what I'm a, saying, yeah. There's a book that Mona, uh, Mona is uh, a couple of weeks away from getting her master's in social work. She keeps referring to is a book called exactly what you're talking about. Is a book called Your Body Keeps the Score, uh, yeah. the name of the book, and um, um, it's it's very what you're saying is yeah. First eighteen months, all those things get programmed to you. Every little thing, it is like a binary code. It's like zero one zero zero. You know this equals this. This equals that, and no no wiggle room. And it's and we have a lot of problems in this country. Coincidentally, when we don't have any maternity or paternity leave and all of that, people like no family yeah. unit, nothing it's bonding true. or anything. Good news, uh, Washington State. If your company, I believe, yeah. if your company has more than five hundred employees, yeah, uh, you get three months maternity leave, and I think it's starting in twenty twenty. Yeah, so pretty cool. How many you guys can get out? So of just news. wait to get pregnant, just a little 2020. bit. Twenty twenty. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it in. No, but yeah. So I, I just, I don't know. I deal with a lot of like psychological people, like well, psych issues. Emergency room people are feeling sick; they need help. They're not going to schedule an appointment in three weeks with their doctor. You know, they're just going to be like, they're going to come into the emergency room. I feel like killing myself. Okay, that's automatic. You're staying overnight, and you're going to get a social worker. You're going to get people to talk to you. And a lot of these people, when you'll just sit and talk to them, or I'll sometimes I'll sit in with a social worker while they talk to the patients. Yeah. And these people, when you hear them talk and the things that they say, it's really like mind blowing for me. I mean, I feel like I'm a well-adjusted, kind of a relatively normal person in society. I have adequate coping skills. I can cope with life and, like, stress and things like that. But some of these people, they just can't. Like, and it's, like, and it's, it's hard to believe. And some of these people, you just think that they're making it up, that they're faking it. But after a while, you see that it's, like, a repeating thing that, like, all these people have the same thing. I was shocked when you guys, you told me about the diagnosis they give them. I thought it was the funniest thing in the world because it sounds failure so... Failure to thrive. Yeah, failure to thrive. I thought it was the, such a, like, a... Like a like a in a Russian like a culture like a oh these people are just they're doing it deliberately they just don't want to work or do anything but it's not it's actually a medical condition they fail to thrive it's it's yeah. crazy yeah so you'll sit in with these people and a lot of them are younger or older I mean, it goes both ways but and you just listen to the things they say and you're just like literally bro all you have to do is just like take a couple of deep breaths like reflect on the situation and you'll realize that everything is okay and you don't have to do this crazy thing that you're trying to yeah, do but that's the thing yeah. but they can't realize like they don't understand I think that that. the whole uh, even what we're in plane talk about is but i think that's why even um now that you brought it here a lot of people resonate with jordan peterson because lately like i kind of just started like Wait, if who's I'm, jordan peterson uh the 12 rules of life or you never, never heard of him he Joe, oh, he was on Joe Rogan a few we times. We talked about this. Okay, I'm just not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and I think that's because I think, especially right now, especially with like public universities, how it's so swayed the other way of like, what do you need? Like, what? How do you want world to change around you so that you're happy or that you thrive in a way? And Jordan Peterson is a lot more like, especially like lately, like I'm like doing something around the house or something, like throwing my headphones and trying like a podcast with him or whatever. And he's big on like. Okay, it's not that crazy. Like, okay, what do you need to do? You know, let's say, and kind of like starts like with baby steps. And like, I think because a lot of, especially in this day and age, a lot of people don't get this kind of parenting or like encouragement or kind of straightforwardness. Like, no, it's on you. It's your responsibility. And you don't have to change the world. But like he uses examples such as, let's say you have, you know, 500, you know, your whole room's full of dirty laundry. And let's say you're in bed for eight hours. So tomorrow just make a goal. Of instead of being in bed for eight hours, just being in bed for seven and a half hours, 
and then wash just 10, you know, pieces of clothing. And he's like, and two months will go by, and you will be done with your whole laundry, and your room will be clean, and kind of like start somewhere and slowly build up on your thing, and that's a whole thing of right. kind of take responsibility but, but that's on easy, yourself. That's easy for him to say, and for me and you to understand, because we have pretty good coping skills. But for, for example, I had a, a person come in, and he recently moved from another state to Washington State, and he was so upset by the fact that he, he moved and he left kind of his life behind. He was, or they were younger. Could have been a she. Um, I can't say because there's laws about this. But um, <laughs> So this person moved to Washington State from a different state, and they were so upset, and they literally so they stopped bathing. They stopped like brushing their teeth. Their hygiene went out the window. They stopped eating. They stopped going to work. They stopped going to school. And when you when you... Oh, nice. You have it. That That's the book. Yeah. The body keeps, who's it by? A very interesting book. Who's the author? It's by Bessel van der Kolk. It's just called The MD. Body Keeps the Score. It's MD. That means master... Doctor. Doctor. <laughs> master doctor. No, but yeah, but... Um, Oh, sorry. Let me it's it's really easy to for us to judge people yeah. because for us and our siblings, uh, because we were all raised in a similar situation, we know we have something, so we get mad at our contemporaries because say like we have coping skills or responsibilities or how to handle responsibilities, and we get mad at our uh, uh, friends or people because we know that like they're not using them. Like we know like you have this, but you're not using it. But we get the same type of we get the same type of anger at the people that don't have them but they got to realize we, we got to realize that uh, they don't have that you know like you, you like i i will i can be mad at you for forgetting to do something because i know you're a, f- a good functioning person and you, i know you have that instilled in you but you don't know uh, i you're just not using it because you're being lazy or being something but we get the same anger towards people who don't have that and I think that's where yeah. the whole uh, – where it comes from, where we misjudge people who have not been nurtured correctly. Yeah, and I think – yeah, well, along – but I think it's interesting. I think and like, that's this discussion thing that we often have about like random life stuff and even, you know, nurture nature. And we will go on for much longer than this talking. But speaking, you know, of growing up in an environment and growing up in different cultures and settings, but us Slavic people – I think Mari was born here, but you know a lot of us. I'm an, Amer- I'm an American. Yeah, American, but but even the ones that say I came here when I was 11 years old, uh, and even you being born here, I think we still have this weird. Uh, we're kind of on a in a no man's land because when I go to Ukraine, and nobody sees me as a Ukrainian, they're like, "Oh, American, it's you know, like came from uh, America," and nobody sees me as a Ukrainian when I go to Ukraine. Here, especially with my accent, like nobody sees me as an American here, and so who am I? Like we always have this identity crisis. Like, am I American or am I Ukrainian? And you kind of need there, and that's, and then even uh, I think transitions in even into our like church culture and like our churches. I think with older people, you know, they see themselves as you know strictly you know Ukrainians, even though they live here. Especially you know like the older older generation. For us, we see ourselves maybe more American, but still kind of like Ukrainian. And I think there was, you know, a certain level of misunderstanding in Slavic churches between the generations and this like generational gap. And moving forward, especially with the kids, they're like really grow, you know, 
some of them like their parents were born here, grew up here. Now they're like the second generation immigrants, and you know, still going to like Slavic church. What do you guys see? You know, things such as Slavic church going, or like you know, future future of the Slavic church in America, especially with the generation coming up. Let's say even after us, the I think they're gonna view themselves a lot more American than you know Slavic, and should should it be kind of let's say even with churches adapt or what was the phrase adapt or adapt or die or die yeah <laughs> sounds harsh but I guess because some church like because even again because it's not just language because there are you know plenty of churches that are like okay we need English and English and it's still helpful but it it's still a very like Slavic oriented church, of course, with the minority joining, you know, since there is no language barrier, but the culture still is very different from, let's say, us living in America, from maybe an American that, you know, lived his, you know, his grand- grandparents were born here. We're still in a way d- different culturally from them, even though we're in a way raised here. I think language, I think language in in our church is even though although it would be nice if it was in English and some of the stuff was English is one of the smaller issues or okay I'm I'm not going to go out, come on swinging but like adapt like adapter die type of deal but I think what needs to change is um the fact that uh um I feel like we are still stuck in the uh, in the in the ta- in being pro- persecuted type thing where instead of being like on offense if to use the sports analogy, instead of going out and having a goal to do something in the community, to serve people, to serve the Lord through people, to serve uh, people, um, uh, having Lord serve through, uh, through us to people, we are more on the, uh, we're stuck, still stuck in a time where commu- where there was communism and persecution to where... On the defense. Yeah, on the defense where we knew people, bad people were trying to penetrate our church and there were spies... Uh, there were spies in the church and uh, there were people that were coming to our church every day trying to figure out what was going on, trying to take some people. And we tried and tried to corrupt our uh, uh, church and we tried very hard to keep everything the same. And the way we survived, and I don't blame the older people because that's what worked. And that's by be, by doing that and being that way is how our church survived. So we can't really knock them for that. Uh, by by having a hard shell like like a crab uh to where like nothing gets through and not nothing comes in nothing comes out um th- that was their game plan and it worked so well for them and it's very hard for them to change now because we're not being persecuted in that way now we need to go on offense and go you know go back in, uh, like having a clear goal and striving for something but i feel like we just need to kind of get out of get out of defense and go on offense now uh yeah i think so here's like a little I don't know, it's not an analogy, but kind of two examples of just people that I know. So there's a guy that I know. He's Ukrainian. Um, came to America. And I think a lot of this stems from a fear of change. Because, I mean, change is good. Change is progress. If you're not changing, you're you're dying, kind of, you know. Uh, so guy comes. You know, he's Ukrainian. He's in America. And for him, he absolutely refuses to accept that he is now, you know, an American or American-Ukrainian or whatever you want to call it. For in his mind, he's still a Ukrainian that he still might go back there one day and we have to hold on to the cultures, we have to hold on to the values, even though most of these were born in a in a Cold War in Soviet Russia and they do not to- totally do not apply to 
a free country in America, like, you know, how we live today. Right. So and he's living in this, like, fear of change. He's holding on as hard as he can, and he'll, like, he... He, I don't want to say ruin his life, but he like takes away opportunities from himself just because he's hanging on to it so hard. He just won't change. He won't move forward. And on the other hand, uh, one of the there's a doctor that I've worked with, and he's Ukrainian, and he's a, he came he's in America. He's Ukrainian, but he got educated. He's a doctor, and he's not some kind of heathen. He's not some weirdo. Very successful person. Very nice guy. But he accepted, and we're talking about it. He's like, oh yeah, I'm Ukrainian, but like he's like I'm an, I'm an American, but you know I'm from Ukraine, kind of thing. And so, and there's kind of like on the other side of the spectrum where he's like, I, I accept that I am in America now. Um, I have a history where I'm from, you know, and that's cool. That's good to know. But I'm not going to just try to hold on to that because there's better things ahead. You know, you got to move forward. You got to change. And very successful person. And on the other hand, I mean, I'm not going to say that the other guy is not successful, but I, he, there's a lot of opportunities that I feel like he has missed out on and he like uh, he uh, deprives himself just because he hangs on to that identity because he's scared to change. So I feel like it's kind of that's kind of what it is with churches too, where they come here and like what Roman was kind of saying. I agree. They're still on that defense. They're like, oh, we just can't have anything infiltrate us. We have to hold on to what we have. You know, we have to wear like oh, head coverings or you know do a certain thing a certain way because that's how we did it back in Ukraine or in Russia or wherever. And even though we're in America and we're literally never going to go back to Ukraine probably because it actually sucks there now. And I went there once and I, it was terrible because I'm so accustomed to American life now. Uh, but they still try to hang on to that because in their mind, that was like the good old days, you know, like things were so good then we can't become all Americanized where in, in fact, you I mean, you're in America and yeah, it's kind of like, you know, either you change and you, because if you're not changing, you're, you're, you're falling back. It's either you're moving up the hill or you're sliding back the hill. You can't just stand in one place on the hill. Yeah, but even churches that feel like make very honest effort of, you know, and I'm talking Church, Slavic churches that make very honest effort of becoming, you know, like quote unquote Americanized, or I think it's still a very big challenge. You know, the, it's not just the language. It seems like there's like a a cultural cultural gap, and it seems like often like a serious gap. The even though the language, let's say, is you know English, but people still have a hard time and like. I spoke to a homie recently, and again, this is very generalizing. There's exception to every you know rule and whatnot. But recently, I ran into a homie from a, in a bank, and he goes to American church, and he said, and he's been going to American church for like several years now, and he was kind of open. He's like, yeah, I still have a hard time, you know, accepting, you know, or like getting used to, to a few cultural things. He's like, I love the church; the teaching is great, but he's like, it is a very different culture, and he's been going there for like several years already, and he. Till this day, he still has a hard time, almost in a way, adapting to you know certain things. Or, and I know let's say several people that, in you know, that went to you know, we can call you know an American church, and you know, not very long, you know, after a short period of time, would come back because mostly because of cultural, you know, not not fitting in in a way. But again, there's plenty of people that went to American church that they've been going and they love it. And, in, well, and I don't it's think you well. have to like. You, I don't think you have to be a hundred percent either way. Yeah, I you don't. The, the problem is not Americanizing. Basically, it's basically be having a focus and being aggressive on offense. Type. I I, I don't think we should Americanize, quote unquote. But I think we should just but, switch from. Uh, but you should be trying to improve and make things better. Yes. Like, you can go to an American church, and if you don't like some of the things that they do culturally, that's fine. Hold on to your culture. Yeah. But you're getting what you need, and you're moving in yes. the right direction. 
And I feel like a Slavic churches can do the same thing. They can still keep kind of what they need, what they want, but they can move in yeah. a positive direction. What, well, have, what would be have, a positive direction? We don't have, st- have to strive towards being American. We what just would be a positive direction? Have to accept what is the, a couple what is of things. the purpose of a church? Make disciples. Okay. There we go. So let's say that your church is all Russian speaking and everybody's on board with that. So may, you don't need to change. Maybe you, you, you're doing good. You're creating disciples. You're you know expanding. You're doing good things. You're on a, you're on a mission and you're going up the hill. You're 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 um, you're meeting your goal, or vice versa. If it's like our church, where there's a growing, grow, fast growing population in the church who only speaks English, who does not understand Ukrainian, they will not be your disciples if they can't. Yeah, understand you're you. not making under, you're not making disciples if they can't understand you. So you can hold on to your culture, but have like you know you're not you're not doing what you're supposed to. So you can hold on to culture all you want, but eventually it's going to be you and one other guy and. You can, you know, take yeah, the culture down to the grave. Not and and uh, like um, people will always have some kind of an uncomfortable part about, in their church because no church is perfect. You don't, you can't just have a church cater to you exactly and have everything a hundred percent to you. There will be a church, and every church will have its problems. But we, it's just, um, I think, if we forget about trying to become American, if we forget about the language, and we just strive towards what the church is supposed to be everything else and if we if we get that going in a healthy way i feel like everything else should fall into place yeah i think that's the i think the biggest problem with churches is that they're full of people it's like you know because if, if you want to be <laughs> if you say you're a christian you no know, you have to be christ-like you know you're a good person you have good intentions towards the world but if you're getting hung up on all these little things like that's not what you're supposed to be doing so that's already a sign that's the first sign right there that like it doesn't matter what culture or what language you're in if you're not following what you claim to be, then you're already in the wrong. You're already going backwards. So I feel like first that should be established, and then everything else, like he said, will fall into place. If you're so concerned about you know holding on to your husinki that you're willing to let go, you know dozens, if not hundreds, of, of young people to go out, you know, and to do to other places, well then you're doing it wrong. I'm sorry, but that's just not how what Christ would do. If if you're claiming to be a Christian, would yeah, no, and I think most you know especially younger people will agree. But one of the things, even, you know, growing up, I think, especially being younger, it was much easier to be like, oh, you know, like Slavic churches, this and this sucks there. And, you know, they don't know this, they don't know that because we watched, you know, some random two sermons on YouTube and we feel like we know everything. But even though we might we may have our differences, you know, with our, you know, some, you know, leadership or whatever that have you know more conservative views but we can't forget you know and kind of put ourselves in their shoes like what they went through and what the price that they paid to be where they're at now and the price they paid to believe what they believe now and it's almost hard for them to kind of leave all of that even though maybe they deep down they understand that it's not like a salvation issue but it is still important to them and i think that was like a big lesson for me is especially talking to some of these guys personally, the big mis- miscommunication was, let's say, you wearing ripped jeans. They don't like. Most of them don't think you're gonna go to hell because you wear, you know, ripped jeans or something. They just think it's really silly and dumb, and they're like, so they're like, no, why are you wearing, you know, these pants or this shirt? You're a Christian, and we, especially when I was younger, were like, what do you mean I'm a Christian? I'm I'm can wear this. What do you mean you wear? You know, it's not a sin, and we almost don't want to hear them out in a way or don't want to understand them. And most of them will, t- you know, don't think that you're going to go to hell or don't think it's a sin. And, you know, some will say that it is, even though it's like, I think, like, I think they're wrong. 
but most of them just they just think it's a silly and i think the phrases or like the way i put it in my head is a lot of times it's a it's a wisdom issue not a sin issue but when they say they want to give us like an advice or a tip when it comes to like a wisdom issue and we receive it as they're trying to tell us that it's a sin issue and we're like again just like all defensive and disagreeable right away and it's like no they're wanting the best for younger generation they want to help and whatnot but yeah i think one of the things is growing up is i think as older like you start when it comes to people and relationships and leaderships and you start understanding that we're all people and relationships are messy and things will get messy even in church because we're none of us are perfect a lot of us have you know different issues and personal character characteristics uh, that are flawed and if you put you know 500 or 1000 or 2000 people in one place there will be issues and there will be disagreements and i think when you get older and you start seeing more of that and you're like oh man how you know how dare they disagree in church and it's like no there are a group of people and there will be disagreements and different point of views on things and it's okay it just but what's important is how you figure it out and how you come out out of it and i think that's what should be the the big focus but disagreements and different opinions will be there especially in yeah. even even in church leadership and what's what's ironic is that um if uh if our youth le- if not youth sorry if our church leaders if our older elders were as um as flexible as we wanted them to be like guess what our church like uh, churches in Russia might have not have survived they survived by being stubborn or hard hard headed and stuck to their gun- guns but now like we need them to understand us and uh, because it's a different culture it's a different time the like war and peace different time um, you know, like uh, idealistic society, the uh, free society. It was society. a different world. Like I yeah, feel like a lot of people world. don't understand that. But like nine, the the seventies and the eighties in Soviet Union, Ukraine was literally like you were closed off. You did not have access to any information except what the government told you, or like if you know you heard whispers in the town market. You were there was yeah. no education. There's no nothing. It's only is like so village wisdom, village school. And when we come to America, where all of us young people, we have access. We have access. To the whole world, and not just now, but like for the past hundreds of years, we have all this information, we have all these things, this freedom, and we literally came from almost two different planets from where our parents came from. So that's why I feel yeah. like there's such a generational gap because we're just like, no, look, like I understand you feel this way, but look at all this stuff that I'm showing you. Well, that's not how we did it in Ukraine. Well, yeah, because Ukraine was basically a prison in you know in the Soviet Union, and not that there's anything wrong with that, but just it's we're in two completely different worlds. Like it's hard for them to to understand what the world that we're living in. And it's obviously hard for us to understand the world that yeah. they lived in because they're yeah, just so different. If they were flexible, like we wanted them to be, our, the church wouldn't have survived. And um, Especially yeah, my yeah, my parents, they grew up in Rivninska Oblast, Rukitnitsky Rayon. They only got cars uh, like 30 years ago, huh? What? Well, when... When did the Soviet Union get cars? <laughs> no, but it was yeah, like, especially even in Solo, but not even like the. But even till almost till now, our like church where like my parents were grew up is like the, the, peak of like conservative and like random rules that's like super unnecessary. And like when my dad grew up, he said like they had like this thing where all the men had to wear. We're not allowed to wear shorts, only long pants. 
long sleeve like rubashki and hats at all times are outside so we go work on a field like Cusitisino and it's like freaking super hot and you're the whole day in the field and if you like roll up your sleeves or something you could be pulling like the zamichanya in church and and then even phones like when like whatever Soviet Union and then all the stuff phones started coming in and you know especially you know it took a while to get to the law and my dad was I think one of the first first or the second person to get a phone in Siloa and like he had to like they had to like announce in church like hey said hey like please stay after church we need to talk to you like for the brothers they're like yo it's like something unclean about it like a voice going to the wire like that's weird that goes exactly back to what I was saying people are just and they grew up like that and imagine they they grew up like that right and but, but it's not unique to them because even in America. When radio first came out, it was like sodomized, not sodomized, that's, well, sorry. It was, it was like demonized, <laughs> and they were like, condemned, yeah, they were like, the radio, <laughs> these voices, and then TV came out, and it was like, people are scared of change, so when some, a new technology comes out, or something new comes out, or like, like a chip, a new idea, or like, you know, well, we can raise our hands when we, when you worship or something, you know? <laughs> you know? Are you okay? But, I'm fine. Silent effect. I was, I was <laughs> yeah. imitating somebody. Uh, yeah, you guys, you guys should have seen his face. <laughs> no, so p- people are just scared of change, you know. And and but look at it now. Every household has at least one TV, you know, because it's a totally accepted thing now. Because people realize, like, oh, it's not some demon in a box who's like me- hypnotizing me. It's just a, it's a television, you know. It's a, it's a program. So I think all these things, like, it just takes time to, to people. They, people react. People usually people react. And so, like something new, new comes out, they don't like look at it and like, oh, you know, is this good? They just react and like, oh, knee jerk reaction, this is terrible. But then five kind of better safe than sorry. Like if we ban it, we don't I, have to deal with I that. Yes, yeah, but so that I guess I mean, so I guess we we can complain, but we can't because I mean, long term, that's probably the safer bet is to be safe, you know, than sorry. But when we get frustrated about things like this, it's because we have this mentality of hey, safe than sorry, and that's maybe the reason why humanity is still alive today because. You know, maybe when they created like the nuclear bomb, for example, like you're talking about, maybe they should have like did some testing first because you never know what if they drop the first bomb and the whole world just blows up. Like, yeah, yeah, uh, a lot of people are surprised. Um, uh, my coworkers and my friends. I'm I'm fairly young. I'm 25 years old, and I would tell them that hey, in third grade we would take a whole spring break and we would rent a horse and we would plow our potato fields with a horse. To here, right now, it's unfathomable because technology here has been around for whatever this generation's been alive so they don't know or can like grasp what that's like and i'm i'm 25 years old and i remember in third grade we took uh we had a spring break just so that we could help our parents with the harvest and then there was no tractors a couple of select people in our piece of host voronishki had uh, tractors and the rest of us had to rent a horse and rent a little carriage with a tail uh, with a till behind it, and we had to plow our field with a with a giant like a Clydesdale just in front of us. One of my first, because we w- w- talked about like working in the field. One of my first hustles in Ukraine was when I was like eight years old. My dad bought an incubator somewhere. Like he's like so I was like, oh, that'd be cool. Not necessarily that we needed it, but he thought it would be like interesting to have one. And I was about eight years old, and I think he fit like sixty eggs or something like that. And that was my first hustle. Look, so I got took like sixty like chicken eggs, marked X, and then you know like mm-hmm. on opposite side O's. And every morning and evening, I'd have flip to flip it over. it over, 
and then 21 days dude yeah so i'm like a couple weeks go by and then like it was it was weird to like watch it because you're like put an egg then a couple weeks later slowly slowly like and like a chicks would like break out and then would dry out and be like super like fluffy you know small yellow chicks and my dad was tell them and he gave me like a couple of hrevni, and i was like i felt super that kind of like, actually happy. makes me think that like um how we were talking about earlier i think that in order to like survive and just have like a, a, a be well adjusted you need some conflicts because if your life is too easy you don't learn to cope with things so like for us even for those of us who were raised in america none of us started out rich you know most of our parents started out on food bank and this and that or back in ukraine you know plowing fields and stuff so even if maybe we didn't experience it firsthand our parents would convey the idea that like hey we you know not not that long ago we were starving you know like there's a war and this and that so i feel like that was kind of ingrained in us, and, and we, we learned that, like, you know, life is not so simple. You have to work, and there's struggles, and things are hard. So I feel like maybe, I mean, a lot of these people today who are having these issues, they might have never just been put in those stressful situations, so they don't know how to cope. So then when later in life, something really big comes along, and you just don't know how to deal with it. So you just, like, kind of give up, failure to thrive. But I feel like growing up, kind of like, all right, we're on food stamps, and then tonight we're all going to hop in the car, and we're going to drive around Federway and throw out newspapers, you know, the whole family oh, thing. the hustle. Yeah, stuff like that. So you learn from a young age that, like, you know, you got to work, you got to, there's struggles, there's cr- conflicts and stuff, and you learn how to survive and cope, and you get nurtured into it. But, like, you know, if your life is super easy and you don't have any of that, and it's like a, like, like iron, like, making iron is not that hard. You know, you can, you lay some metal, like a sword, for example, and like you know the old saying like iron sharpens iron kind of thing like if you're if it's just like a, a flimsy piece I think of it's the bible oh <laughs> <laughs> i knew that <laughs> i knew that <laughs> no and like in a, like if a, a piece of metal has not been hammered down a whole bunch you know it's not been like in the heat and in the cold and the heat it'll break right away first time but if a piece of metal has been treated it's been hammered on for hours and hours hundreds of times and in the hot and the cold and hot and cold it's been forged it's been tested and that's you know that piece of metal will last a lot longer. I feel like the same kind of with people. If you've never been put under stress, you're gonna crack. It's the same thing with our bones. Our bones, you know. Well, pressure creates diamonds. That's oh. Kanye. You know what? Fat people have the strongest bones because their bones are on like are on a constant state of stress because there's a lot more weight on them. So their bones are thick and strong and they hard to break. But like a thin person like you, maybe your bones are a lot weaker because they're not under as, under as much stress. It's kind of a r- random, so, well, interesting fact. Interesting. But yeah. Yeah, so but we deviated from like, I yeah, guess, so fu- future of Slavic <laughs> future of Slavic churches. It's about bones. It's uh, all about bones. <laughs> future of Slavic churches in America. What do we, I guess, from our, our you know, the good old wise mid-20-year-old guys <laughs> that have lived through life, in our opinion, for our church, for Slavic church to thrive, I think that we're not the first cult, like cultural group to come to America and to to deal with like uh, like becoming part of a country. What's the word I'm looking for? Like not naturalization, but like assimilation. Assimilation. We're not the first cultural group to come to America and attempt to assimilate, and we won't won't be the last. And I think like there's lots of other ethnic groups of people who well, maybe there's a lot of other ones that failed and some thrived. And what do the ones that thrive? I think they're all the same. Do. I think you come to a new country and at first you hold on to your beliefs because you don't want to let go of where you were. But I think it's just a matter of time. It might not be our generation. It might be the next generation. But before you know it, we're just going to be regular Americans and they're going to be like, oh, so that's an interesting last name. Where are you from? 
Oh yeah, my my great grandpa came from Ukraine. Um, you know, back in the hundred years ago when there was a World War II and, and Soviet Union and all that stuff, and people are going to forget about that, and it's because it's going to become just like now, when maybe you'll see like I don't know some somebody whose last name is like McNabb or like or like not McNabb something Irish, and you're just like, oh, that's Irish. Yeah, McNabb, McNair. Yeah, and you're just like, oh, well, I'm an American. I've lived here. My grandparents have lived here. Um, like, back in 18-something, during the Irish potato famine, my parents came over here, and they started this little Irish church, <coughs> Catholic church, and they had all this drama with the church about, are we going to be Protestant, or are we going to be Catholic, and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it's been two generations, and I'm, I'm just a regular American. So I think, realistically, that's where we will be. Maybe not this generation, or maybe not the next one, but... Eventually, we'll all be American. That's the beauty of America. It's a melting pot, and so you got a big pot, and you're melting it, and you throw in some cheese, and it's gonna be, it's gonna be, <laughs> it's gonna be cheese for a second. We're striving for fondue. It's gonna, it's gonna be cheese for a second, but yeah. it gets melted down, and it becomes part of the soup. It becomes part of the melting pot. So that's yeah, it. and I think one, uh, one of the change, or one of the differences between you know our parents' culture and I think our, you know, age culture, is I think. With our parents growing up in like USSR and all those, it's very like authoritative, and they were raised very much to like respect authority. And if somebody says something, you don't question it because it's an authority. You know, they said it; they have a reason behind it. They don't need to explain themselves. And think us younger people, we have a lot lesser view of authority. If it's there's like a line that says, "Doesn't matter what you know." Un- doesn't matter what you know until I know that you care or something like that. I think People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah, thank you, John. John Maxwell as well, and I think that's I think that's mostly like our generation views. Like, dude, I don't care who the heck you are. If you don't care about me, I don't it's care all about my feelings, bro. Yeah, like I don't care about you. And I think and I think it has to do millennial. with church. I think it has to do with church too. I think with like our parents, like I definitely see in in my parents. You know, if like a pastor or whatever, they're like you know, like does. Don't question it. Just kind of, it's fine. Yeah, we, you know, me, we may not agree, but it's fine. You know, like we'll just, you know, kind of, we won't like argue or we won't like disobey or we won't like defy authority. But I think for us younger people, I think very often we're like, you know what, like, oh, this and this happened. Well, I don't care. And we more like yeah. we we you gotta start with why. Why are you? Reading my book title. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I, it, we're just more. I think it's just. I think what well, uh, people need to accept, and I'm sure everyone accepts this, but just like we are more educated than our parents, and that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. It's maybe it's kind of embarrassing, but it's like, hey, they didn't have a choice. They didn't have universities in Green River Community College. They had Solo and yeah, and internet where you could just like yeah, look Google, up anything yeah, you want. Exactly. So uh, we are more educated than them. So it's it's okay to, for us to ask why. Like you know, don't just follow you know orders and then because th- billions of people have died throughout history by following orders. You know, or just walk into that gas chamber. You know, just go stand in this grave that you just dug. Just stand there. I'm totally not going to shoot you. You know, stuff like that. So it's good to ask why. It's good to question things. The Bible says that question everything. You know. So it's good that we are thinking and we have our own, our th- we're thinking for ourselves. We want what's better for us, you know, and it should not be seen as a selfish thing. It should not be seen as like some millennial thing. It's just like we want what's better for us, for everyone around us. Uh, we're but we should still have like an honor and respect. For, I sure. guess this doesn't give us permission sure. to be yeah. disrespectful. And no, no, no. no, no. They're, they have, they definitely have a lot more wisdom than we do. But sure, yeah. Yeah, that's, it's just, we, we are, uh, I wouldn't even say smarter, but we're just more equipped for this time and generation. We're more educated. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, we we are more educated. Education, that's okay to say that. But have the, but they have a uh, lot of like wisdom when it comes yeah. to like life. Yeah, they got like street smarts and stuff. We're more book smart kind of. Yes, well, that yeah, books. We are more book more we're, Google smart. Yeah, we're, uh, we're not more educated <laughs> on life. We just know what's on Wikipedia, basically. Yeah. Which is you know, which is you know, Wikipedia is always right, no matter what you say. But um, America, every single person in America. Did not come from America. They came from Europe, from Asia, from Africa, from somewhere else. And every single one of these people, at some point down their line in their history or in their ancestry, you're saying Trump is an immigrant himself. Oh well. Well, hang on. If if we're gonna go that far, then we're all Jews. I mean, technically. Yeah, technically. If we're gonna go back, we're all from the loins of Adam. Was Adam Jew? Are you a little bit closer, Noah? Yeah, that is a little bit closer. Yeah, we are we are all from the loins of Noah. We're all basically from I just wanted to I say. mean, science says that we all came from Africa. The Bible says we all came from Middle East. So Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia. The Fertile what, Crescent. Yeah, the Fertile Crescent, the uh, Tigris and Euphrates River. Yeah. And uh, and Africa and stuff was uh all no matter how much no matter how much science says we're all from Africa, history still says that first civilization, signs of civilization, still from the f- Fertile Crescent. Science yeah. has l- these, you know, interesting fact about science and dinosaur bones. And um, what, do you, what, what are dinosaur bones? What are, what are dinosaurs? What, yeah, what are you talking about? Yeah, he's one of those. Oh. <laughs> right, anyways, so okay. Do you uh, watch YouTube a lot? <laughs> we're not gonna get into this because, but. Uh, um, what do you know about chemtrails? I, I think, uh, like archaeological. <laughs> uh, obviously, we all know that archaeological finds are wildly inaccurate and stuff. But um, where was I going with this, guys? Thanks. This Thanks, kind of question, both of you. questioning the, the history, me- Mesopotamia, and all that stuff. <laughs> que- questioning history, questioning nine oh, eleven. You started off about Trump. What I was trying to Wait, say. Wait, no, 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 Trump. He said Trump. Let I me said interrupt you I said before you juice. interrupt me. <laughs> I said reduce. So basically, yeah. we own. We all own piece of Hollywood. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. We're everybody in America at some point in their history they came to this new country and they had this they I'm sure a hundred percent sure that they all had this cultural like conflict where like we are from, you know, Africa or we are from uh Asia or we are from somewhere in Europe or South America or you know, wherever you're from and they came to this country where it's a big melting pot and they're like, We cannot just fall into the soup and melt and become part of it. We cannot. But lo and behold, that's what happens. Everybody gets sucked into the soup, and that's just how it is. I think it just, uh, given time, history will show that the same thing's going to happen to our culture and our people, and then the next culture after us. So what, what you're what you're saying is like it's it's a it's a what you're saying is cultures have to assimilate. That, or do they will assimilate with w- against? Yeah, wherever you live, we will assimilate if, to where if, you live. That's kind of uh, to what degree? You know, maybe to a certain degree, but not fully in a way. Let's say there are people. Okay, yeah. If sure. there was only, we can assimilate them against their will, huh? Well, because everybody. I mean, because we still have no, differences, like the way you look, the way you, you know, like your name and kind of stuff like that. Your genetic makeup. Obviously, we all came from different places, but you live here long enough, you start. Everybody's. That's the thing with America. Everybody. Not, I don't say interbreeds, but like, you know, black, Mary, white. Asian Mary Mexican yeah. and eventually I mean we at one point we all were brown Jesus was a brown person and eventually it's all going to go back the same way we're all going to be brown again what yeah what do you mean we were all brown Jesus was a brown person but yes that's what I'm saying Jesus was brown he was I'm Middle sure, Eastern yeah. I'm sure Noah and Adam were probably brown too dude one of the podcasts we should like talk about like write up and like even do some like research before and talk know. about like random like Bible topics, 
Like there's one where when Cain killed Abel and God was like, you know what? So nobody kills you when they see you. There's I'm going to put a mark on you. Yeah. Like, and like there's like, I'm not going to say anything right now, but there's some like super like weird like, cons- like conspiracy theories almost or like theories on like what the mark was or like, like you like random. But then again, those topics don't really have any evidence behind that or whatever. And it could have been something super simple where he just like. Yeah, I bet some people like exaggerated, but yeah, I think That's one of very deep. the one of the podcasts. I think in the near future we should do like just like a few Bible questions that we can like go down uh, like a rabbit hole. Do a terrible job answering. And I, I like rabbit holes. What about like a conspiracy theories? Oh, a conspiracy like chemtrails, nine eleven, flat Earth. Uh, what else? There's a lot of yeah. I watched that flat Earth. Oh, documentary. then Holocaust. I watched the flat Earth documentary on Netflix. Oh, the new one. I started watch. Yeah. I was trying to watch it, but then you know didn't want to, so I turned it off. Like I just I hope, and I hope that there's like smarter people out there who are like all about flat Earth. But from what I've seen, the leaders of the movement are very interesting people. Well, but that's yeah. the, but that's their argument is that. If you are educated, then you kind of brainwash. So, kind of, the more you educated you are, the deeper brainwashed you are, and that's what their argument is. That's a, that's a very like. I mean, I get it. I get it. It's like, oh, it's just like such a funny thing to say. Like, oh, I didn't go to any school, so I'm smarter than yeah, you. Yeah, I kind of come. It is. I, that's what you argue. I never, I never put in any effort in life. That's why I'm better than you. No, it's basically it's, their argument is I come to it with a, like a clean slate. Like, okay, flat Earth, I can be a lot more objective. Well, yeah, you come with a clean slate, so it means you could be easily fooled into some exactly. Stupidity. And they were, yeah. It's like, Dang. hey guys, I'm an empty vessel. Therefore. I have something like to the, offer. Like the president guy, the president dude that lives in on Whidbey Island, that guy's a nutcase. Or maybe you think so because you're brainwashed. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Got me. Got yeah. me. Yeah, I see. Mm. I guess we'll never know. Hey, guys. Uh, my wife just texted me to tell me to come home. So I think we need to start wrapping, wrapping up here really soon. Yeah, we are. That's, that's no, I think we are wrapping up. Any, uh, anything uh, politics happened lately? Maybe like a few minutes. Uh, he's oh. Trump and impeached, Trump been so acting up. He hasn't been impeached yet, so I have no. nothing to say. And he's not going to get impeached. You're like a big believer, or like you like you want him to get impeached just I, for the like entertainment. I said, sake. I said from the beginning, it's a lot of work, and it's uh, it's. Uh, there's uh, already candidates starting up. He's not going to get impeached. Yeah, Pelosi already said. Uh, yeah, she said we're he's not going to get impeached. Yeah. It comes down. It's it comes down now whether to heal, whether or not he'll be reelected. And if he does not, that's going to be very embarrassing because I think like only two presidents or three presidents in the history of America. Yeah, two, have I think not two. Been, I think two presidents in the last forty like plus years. The no more than forty years, bro. But you know, know you know what, you know what gives me hope. You know what gives me hope that. George Herbert Bush was not reelected, and I think Trump is way worse than he is. So, well, he wasn't George he, Bush. Senior a was lot of it has to do with like social climate he and everything. He wasn't reelected, but he was actually like he basically got, didn't get reelected because he was trying. He was so passionate about one thing that he totally neglected all this other stuff because people were just like, "Dude, you don't care about us." Oh yeah, he Al Gore'd himself. Kind of yeah, but Trump's a different story. I've been getting like crap for people from people that I don't like Trump. Um, so we just want to talk. Oh about yeah, that. on our podcast, yeah, it's. Uh, you don't think he's like a? I don't think he's a good person at all. Uh, as far as president-wise, yeah, I'm sure he's done some good things, and I'm not going to take that back. And if I had the, if I, if it was up to me, if I had to choose either this button or that button, Hillary or Trump, I probably would pick Trump. Definitely, not probably, I would. Um, 
But that does not mean that I am satisfied with the job that he's done. Sure, he's done some good things. I would look for a third button. I think history will look back after... Because I have my things that I believe in that we've talked about. I think history will look back and you'll see Trump as a person, as a president who embarrassed America, who trashed the economy in in the next so, several years, and he'll have a bad reputation. You're a big believer in economy crashing very soon. I'm a very big believer in statistics and I think science. Um, and math. I believe in science. I, I think people. I believe in math. Uh, I'm not. Go- I'm not going to make fun of people who are big Trump supporters and believers. I'm just going to give them a challenge to think for themselves for once and not. Not, not like find something they like about Trump, not something they heard from a third party or in a Facebook post. But He's not owned by anybody, bro. Right. No, no, no. no. <laughs> okay, that's fine. That's fine. Find, do some in-depth research about Trump and find something to like about Trump on your own, not from something you heard from your, from your buddies or from some uh, Facebook post. Just some, find something. I challenge you and that's how you can make your conclusion and I will be okay with you liking him. But it's like Trump has a lot of baseless, baseless, uh, un- uh, uneducated uh, people that Bro, love him. What's his demographic? What, what, did Trump, you, didn't you tell me that? If Trump wasn't owned by any, if Trump was owned by somebody, then why would he make fat tax cuts for all the rich people in America, huh? Hey, uh, <laughs> Mario, what, what did you tell me? Trump's geographic? No, it, his demographic? Yeah, is uh, 25 to 30 year No, 25 to 40-year-old Ameri- uneducated, uneducated Americans. Uneducated, yep. Yeah, uh, Trump's main demographic is 25 to 40-year-old uneducated Americans. Well, the, and again, the argument is because the universities are so, so uh, liberal-leaning that if you are in a university, because they are so liber- liberally leaning towards left, the... Of course, you wouldn't vote for a conservative yeah, guy. But uh, uh, uneducated does not mean you were in a co- in, you're in college right now. Uneducated means you were in a college at one point. Therefore, you have the ability to, and mental capacity to do research for yourself and not listen to what other people some, say. Some of the universities got like crazy, like li- with the whole li- cut okay. up with the liberal. We're getting too far into was, this. Let's cut just it off. One, just uh, the whole the college in the Olympia. I think it's like Evergreen. Yeah. When they announced the, like no whites day. I think, <laughs> I think stuff like that. I think it's just like you get caught in the momentum of something, and you just like like I, I'm sure like six months. After it happened, they looked they're back and they're like... Right now, they're rebranding themselves. <laughs> yeah. They're like, yo, we were a little too crazy. That's like, what it is. They legitimately like, started like a rebranding campaign. It's like to, when you like, and your homies re-examine. and you get overhyped and you say something, yeah. everyone's like, oh, oh, oh. No, why is it? Too much. Too yeah. much, yeah. No, but uh, yeah, it's it's always good to think for yourself and do research for yourself, guys. Yes. Okay. okay. Hey, guys, we're going to be wrapping up. Uh, I think I'll take like... Oh, thir- thir- we were going to talk about quality and quantity, but... Uh, next time. Next time. <laughs> no, but... W- well, we'll be wrapping that up, but even with the whole all things life and talking on them, whatever, nurture, nature, life, who turns out, how, church, all those things are interesting to talk about, but there is, we each one of us has life to live and, you know, let's, you know, play the cards that we've been dealt in the life that we, you know, that we have. And I think especially last like, like week and a half re- really give me a, uh, like a chance to re-examine or kind of like focus on things that are like a little more meaningful as uh, many people live through on a lot closer basis. But for me, it's not, it's not exactly, you know, hits home, but one of my uncles got diagnosed with cancer like a week and a half ago. And, and again, just like family getting together like a couple times a week. And it still, it gives you that moment of like fudge, like what is like those questions of like, 
what is life? Like, what is life well lived? What is kind of like a mean, too short to like mean, what is a meaningful life? And I don't know, I've been spending some time thinking about that, you know, just not being a crappy person and not being just like a cold blooded just to like move move ahead and be better than somebody else and step on so many heads to move forward to build yourself an altar you know by stepping you know on everybody else just so you can be ahead higher than everybody else but yeah i don't know just my two cents is like hey be a good person care for people try to put yourself in other people's shoes and try to understand where they're coming from and try to be a caring in uh you know, like a not a crappy person. And I think at the end of the day, you will be happy that you were not a crappy person. I don't think, I think most people do regret for being like a cold blooded, I don't know, like rude, mean person just to like get ahead. And then you look back and you're like, okay, now, uh, so yeah, I don't know. A little word, word of encouragement is you gotta work to work to live, not live to work. Yeah. No, if you spend your whole life working. You're going to, I mean, obviously I'm pretty broke. So it's easy for me to say that. <laughs> I'm sure, like obviously, money does buy you some happiness, but yeah, because you, you never know. Like, like you there's a research up to seventy five thousand, then it plateaus. You might be, uh, you know, you might be, you almost make it. You're, you know, if I reach this level, I'll finally be happy. And right before you reach that level, like boom, cancer, and that's it. You know, all that you wasted all this time trying to get to this place, but now, and now you have no time left. So, make the most of life. Life's too short to, to yeah. do stupid things, to waste time. Just yeah. have friends, have a fa- family, people you care you about. You know, doing stupid things is relative. I guess. Yeah, and I think being a have friends and have, you know, a circle of people is care for other people, try to, you know, put their needs or just be I think one of the biggest things is being interested in other people. I think if you're like, yo, I don't care about him, I don't care about him, but I think the more you talk to people, the more you talk to different people, everybody has like different stories and different life and different point of views and it is very interesting. But yeah, no. Be a good person, live your life well. And you will be happy. And you will be happy that you did. <laughs> All right. See you guys on the next one. Bye.